looking for a good time I've been looking every day I've been waiting for the sunshine It's been coming my way chain filling in for Yvonne Mason uh, can I'll never completely fill her shoes but I can sure stuff my feet in there and see if I can keep them warm until she comes back uh, our song for the night is actually one that I really really enjoy from one of our indie artists his name is Ed Roman and the song is called coming my way and uh, I said a couple shows ago with Corey Coons that Ed Roman has an active bounty on his head I've been trying to get him back on the show. So if you get Ed Roman dead or alive, drag him to off the chain so I can bring him back. But I chose that song for a reason because um, our our guest tonight, Joe Bogdan, he has really been working hard 
um, he's a great person, and I, I see that a lot is going to be coming his way really, really soon. So I'd like to welcome Joe Bogdan. With more than 21 years of military service, Joseph Joe Bogdan has a wide array of leadership experience in the engineering, communications, and social services career fields, and has employed his skills at multiple locations across the globe. Driven by his passion to help others reach their professional and personal goals, he continues to be a mentor to hundreds and is a sought-after speaker and instructor on a variety of topics to include resilience, management, and leadership. He holds instructional certifications in multiple courses to include Franklin Covey's The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, Shipley Communications Four Lenses, and is a Master Resilience Trainer certified at the University of Pennsylvania. He's a certified leadership coach. He holds an undergraduate degree in social sciences with a minor in homeland security from the University of Maryland, University College, and earned his graduate degree in organizational leadership at Brandman University, where he's currently an adjunct professor of both undergraduate and graduate leadership studies. Joe is also a co-founder of the Llama Leadership website and a host of the Llama Lounge podcast that includes topics on all things life, learning, and leadership. You can reach out to Joe at the Llama Leadership website at www.llamaleadership.com on his LinkedIn page at linkedin.com slash in slash jybogdan or by email at llamaleadership at gmail.com. Joe, welcome to the show, and I hope I didn't bur- uh, butcher your last name too bad. It is it, no, no, man, you said it perfectly. <laughs> yeah, this Bogdan, you said it perfectly. Ian, thank you so much for uh, allowing me to come on the show, man. <laughs> I've been you. really looking forward to this. Yeah, me too. So, um, backstory for the listeners of how we happen chanced upon each other. We were in um, similar communities dealing with some of the topics that I read resilience, leadership, um, management, all of that, right? And how, how to be not the best, but better than the most better than most right and i saw a post and i'm only bringing this up again because it was just a funny coincidence um that you were going through some what i perceived to be struggles in your life and i reached out to you and i said hey man looks like you're hard on your luck and and you're kind of going through some stuff i'd love to just kind of change your luck a little bit bring you on the show and your response completely blew my mind you're like oh i'm having the best time man i mean i have this one thing that I, I I'm, I'm going through right now, but like honestly, I'm, I'm going through the best time. So out of embarrassment, and and then you know out of opportunity as well, uh, we brought Joe on the show. But it was just a, a uh, just a, a Facebook post catch of like, well, you know, you're a podcaster, I'm a podcaster, come on the show, and we've known each other for about not too personally, but we've known each other for about a year and a half, I believe. So. It was a perfect time to get on the show and, and not only talk about your podcast, but your uh, future book and, you know, really talk about um, things that you and I are passionate about, especially being master resilience trainers. Yeah, yeah, man. It's funny. Yeah, the post, um, I, I think it's uh, the specific post that might have caught your attention was one where I was just talking about, um, I really miss my wife because we're, we're um, 
we're not together right now physically, um, but we will be soon. So um, mm-hmm. just because of uh, work-related stuff, we're um, um, I'm geo-bacheloring a little bit right now, but I'm looking forward to her uh, yeah. joining me soon. So I think when I posted that, uh, that's, that probably is the one that caught your eye. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know it was. Cause I was like, oh, man, like, he, he's struggling. He misses his, his wife, man. Like, I've been there. So, yeah, that was the one that what brought you on. And plus, I brought that up. So then you get doggy points with, 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 you know, you get doggy brownie points with, with the missus. So now she <laughs> hears that you just uh, told 150,000, you know, listeners in about 45 countries how much you love your wife. So I like how you're uh, outspoken about the things that you love and you're passionate about. That's really cool, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you so much. And I think you're probably understating <laughs> how many people are listening to your to your show, man. I mean, you do great work. And um, like I, like you said, we know each other for about a year and a half, um, uh, kind of from a distance. And um, I'm just super grateful that we got to connect because you're doing great stuff when it comes to the resilience community and serving others. So, and it's something that I'm very passionate about. So, um, yeah, man, I love. Yeah. I can't wait to get in some conversations with you. Yeah. So let's um talk about how you kind of came about um, in the resilience community. How did you kind of start? What was your point that you said, Hey, this is something that I'm passionate about. Did you have like a low moment that you had a, you had somebody reach out to you kind of tell us about that a little bit. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's interesting and this, I hopefully this doesn't go all over the place, but um, I would say when I first um, uh, grew up into my uh, profession, I was still harboring a lot of self-esteem issues. Um, and I think a lot of that had mm-hmm. to do with um, what, what I know. I'm an Asian-American male and um, grew, grew up in a, a traditional Asian home. And I think there's a lot of um, stereotypes mm-hmm. that, you know, we see on TV about what an Asian-American home is. And um, I lived all of those. <laughs> I lived all of those. Like uh, coming <laughs> home with anything less than an A, you're going to have some problems. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, I used to yeah. come home with a 97%. My mom would ask me where the other 3% was, you know. So um, so created this weird environment, man, this weird environment where I realized that um, – um, that I didn't want to reach out of my comfort zone and, and try things that I knew mm-hmm. I wasn't going to get 100 at because I didn't want to deal with, um, you know, uh, being seen as a failure. And that kind of bled into my adult life. And I, I grew into my mm-hmm. profession, and, but, and I did really well. But you know why I did really well is because I was only taking on things that, you know, I knew was, I was going to do well at. Um, but the, the mm-hmm. problem with that is it, it kind of keeps you um, living – you know, underneath your potential. And I didn't know that at the time, right? I'm, I'm thinking that, you know, within my, uh, within my profession, I'm, I'm getting awards, I'm getting uh, promotions, raises, and all that good stuff. So I'm like, oh, I must be doing something mm-hmm. right. Um, what happened was, yeah. though, at some point, um, I had a career broadening opportunity that came to me because of some of the stuff I was doing well. And um, it was to work at a social services center to do some career broadening. And I was like, uh, me? I have, like, I mean, I don't think working with like, uh, like needing empathy and all that stuff—that's that's not really what—that's not who I am, you know. Yeah. I was like, I don't know if this is a good idea, um, but I had a mentor that took me over there and said, "Hey, you should really try this." First, first, the mentor was awesome. She took me over there to see, right, and learned about what this thing was because she didn't necessarily know either. And, um, and she took me over there and she said, "You know, I need you to stretch out your com- comfort zone." 
um, you need to go do something a little bit different right now. Um, I was in the engineering community, and um, she wanted me to try this thing out in the social services community. And it was the best decision I ever made because it really rounded me out. It, it taught me kindness and generosity and all those things. But with that came an opportunity because there was a new program at the University of Pennsylvania called the Master Resilience Training mm -hmm. Program. And, um, mm -hmm. uh, you know, we didn't really know who to send to this thing, but um, I got the opportunity because I was working at the center, and they're like, hey, he's just taking on that job, so let's send him to this training. I go to yeah. that training, and I fell in love with the best training I have had in my entire career, adult life still, two weeks of just understanding myself, understanding others, how mm -hmm. we react in the world, um, really doing that deep dive on that work and that overall resilience. And um, and that's where it really where it kind of started, the whole resilience world. And, um, and then, you know, moving on, I started really studying more and more where this stuff came from, um, got into Stoic philosophy. Um, uh, you know, I am a man of faith, so I got into more scripture. And it really just helped me kind of like round myself out and um, and mm -hmm. I think that's what helped me get to that point where when you re messaged me and you said, hey, you, you, look, you seem like you're down. I was like, no, I'm actually probably the happiest I've been in my life, you know. And I think a lot of that <laughs> kind of led to this moment, right, led to this moment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, and I, I actually connect with you a lot because um, my upraising uh, was complete counterculture to our current profession. Um, I mm -hmm. grew up in a predominantly white city um so i didn't have a lot of culture right and uh fast forward you know i i, I begin our profession and i i hear from southerners and i'm from michigan right so um i hear mm -hmm. from southerners and i never really understood them but now i'm starting to and and people on the west coast and all of this right well fast forward um to maybe about three or four years ago I was actually smirking because I was engaged to a uh, Vietnamese American. And mm. so when you were talking about Asian culture and the stereotypes and all of that, I was smirking because as a German Irish dude from Michigan, I could not wrap my head around that culture. Sometimes the, the, the things that you were saying, like, where was that other 3%, you know, for us, mm. we, we would be like, man, like, that's intense, and that's pretty intense for even German people. We can be pretty, pretty uh, riled up and pretty, you know, mm -hmm. abrasive. But um, that was my integration into resilience. I was in a different culture. I broke the mold of typical German, Irish, Michigan boy, and stuff like that. And kind of along your lines too. Um, I got my master resilience trainer cert uh, certification, not from university but uh, a similar school and I got it because I was seeing a gap in my own resilience but a gap in other people's resilience too and I couldn't put my finger on what I was missing and it was until you know I was engaged to the Vietnamese American that it was the diversity and culture that I was missing right I was never a, a blatant mm racist i was never an outspoken you know anything like that it's just i was never exposed to other ways of thinking and the mrt um kind of pulled me out of that way of thinking right i was so mm -hmm. kind of closed into my own box of of how i how i view things and how i 
stay resilient that I needed something like that to push me out. And um, it's funny that you also said that you had a mentor um, like that because my mentor, um, my, my first, my favorite mentor, I still to this day, when, I, when I'm stuck on a problem, I think of him and I'm literally like, what would he do, right? And, um, you know, he was a, he was a man from Oklahoma, but he was a, he was a crusty senior leader, man. I mean, the type that he gets <laughs> mad, he gets mad. And then he's pulling me as a very junior member into his car. And he's mm-hmm. all like, I'm going to get a marble. You want one? And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, what? Yeah, we need to drive and smoke for a bit. We need to talk this out. And I, I kid you not, that's how I learned the first step of like, oh man, like I have to sometimes get out of my own comfort zone, exactly what you said, and meet somebody at mm-hmm. their comfort zone, even if it is just driving around the company, smoking in the car, and just complaining about how things aren't working. I still was forced out of my way of doing things, and it made me a better person. So I definitely connect with where you're coming from as well, man. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think when you talk about mentors, I think mentorship comes in so many forms. And sometimes it's not a person being deliberate about growing you. Sometimes it comes in the form of what mm-hmm. we see, right? And the examples that yeah. we see. And sometimes it's even like uh, bad examples, you know what I mean? And I think that um, oh, yeah. when people um, get in this, this, mo- this, like, this mindset of, you know, I've never been mentored or or anything like that, I think, you know, there's some ownership there, too, that we can look out to and see those things. I, I would say that some of the people that have mentored me, um, they may not even know, and I probably owe it to them to tell them that, hey, the example you set mm-hmm. made me a better person, you know what I mean? And when I was younger, yeah. I was probably too immature to, to really realize it or even let them know, but now I try to be a lot more deliberate and intentional about letting people know that, hey, you set a good example for me, and I really appreciate that, you know? Yeah, I I definitely respect that because when I um, ventured from the uh, more junior rank to the more middle leadership uh, level of our of our company, um, I actually reached back to my my mentor, same one that I was talking about. I'm like, yeah, man, and I didn't think he was going to give me a compliment at all. He he wasn't that type. Um, I'm a, I'm a very big type A. Like, I love you, man. I miss you, man. How you doing? Like holy crap, I think about you every time I smell a Marlboro cigarette, and he's not that type, right? <laughs> and I remember I reached out to him, and I'm like, you know, he's he's retired now, and uh, he's living life and having a good time, and I'm, I'm really happy for him. But uh, I reached out to him, and I said, hey, man, I am literally one position away from when I first met you starting this journey. Like, I just made this this uh, level, right? And I'm like, I can't believe it. I made it in such a fast time and yada, yada, yada. And I kid you not, I remember this to this day. He's all like, Ian, the position you're at right now is the position that I saw you as a young man. We just didn't give it to you yet. Mm. And I'm like, whoa. Like, seriously? You thought I was going to be like this? He's like, oh, dude, like, I thought you were going to, like, blow me out of the water. He's like, I thought you were going to be my rank, like, way faster than I'm, I made. And I still remember that compliment to this day, um, to your point of, like, you never really take the time to be deliberate like that um, and let those people know, like, hey, uh, you, you were a huge impact in my life, or I really looked up to you, 
And um, I, I appreciate that you take more deliberate times and, and processes to do stuff like that because that's something I've always grown up with. I always tried to write handwritten notes to my um, my subordinates, you know, on Christmas or Halloween or birthday, just, hey, I appreciate you. You do hard work. Mm-hmm. And they knew that I meant it because if they didn't do hard work, I would say, hey, I appreciate you as a person, but, you know, we got a little bit of work to do, <laughs> which is not the note that you want <laughs> on your birthday, but, hey, at least you know I'm <laughs> keeping it 100. <laughs> like, uh-huh. At least you know that I'm being real with you. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, and that's, you know, I think about like the guy that you're you're talking about, which I'm 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 envisioning Sam Elliott, like this person that you're talking about. This is what I'm envisioning. It's actually mind, funny because um, he kind of does. Yeah, he he, he is kind of <laughs> that guy, uh, minus the yeah. mustache. Like he right. had kind of the Oklahoma City, uh, you know, like it's gonna rain. I'm like, how do you know it's gonna rain? Yeah, feel it. Yeah. I'm like, okay, bud, <laughs> whatever you say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you like that version of the of the the Sergeant Major and we were soldiers. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm like, I'm yep. thinking, but you know, you're, you're listening to the, that story and the guy um, because I think it's also important to realize that that probably went, meant way more to you because he wasn't just giving it out like that wasn't genuine, right? And I think that um, I think even yeah. to the point where I was, I remember I was going through school and I had a teacher that man. He, he crushed me every assignment. Like I was getting A's, but it was barely right. And he was hitting me on yeah. every little thing. And I'm like, my goodness, like, is it impossible to get a hundred in this class? Right. And I kept on, um, yeah. but, he, but you know, I was looking at the feedback he was given and it was legit, you know, and it was really teaching me how to write better. And it wasn't a writing class, but he was going, you know, above and beyond to give me that feedback. And when I got an A in that class, I remember I felt so like just, I felt like I really felt accomplished, right? Whereas I've been in other yeah. classes where, like, I wonder if this professor is even reading my stuff. I mean, I'm getting A's. I'm getting hundreds on everything, <laughs> right. but I'm like, are they even reading it, you know? And that 93 right. I got in that one class was worth way more than any hundred I got, you know what I mean? So, so yeah. I think when we're, you know, they're giving that feedback, I think whether you're giving the feedback or you're receiving it, I think um, we put different weight on it depending on how authentic we really believe it is, you know? Yeah, and I always really appreciate people who um, give candid feedback. Like, if there's a booger in my mm-hmm. nose, I need to know. You just need to tell right. me, and I'll, I'll clean it up. We'll be okay, right? And I think that was a, mm-hmm. a really refreshing um, first supervisor for me was somebody like that where I'm like, you know, I remember uh, I had this project, and he, he put me above – all the other people who had way more seniority than me because he saw that I was driven. He's like, I just need you to do it. Like, for some reason, it clicks for you, right? And so mm-hmm. I remember we finished the project. I'm like, hey, boss, like, it's done. We did it. Like, it's installed. It's beautiful. Like, we, we raised our compliance. We saved money. You know, all the, all the great wins, right? It was my first big win um, in my career. And I looked at him, and he's just staring at me. I'm like, boss, like, we, we did it. And he's all like, yeah. Would have been more impressive. If, it would have been more impressive if we got it knocked out two weeks earlier, but you did all right, kid. 
And I remember, <laughs> like, what are you, what, like, what are you doing? And I remember I asked him, I'm like, why were you so hard on me? And he's like, because honestly, mm-hmm. I saw the way that you grew up, that if I continuously, like, oh, good job, oh, good job, oh, you did it, you weren't going to, like, fight harder. He's like, I already saw that mm-hmm. in you, that if I continuously said, like, you were killing it, you would get complacent. Mm-hmm. And he's like, and I didn't want you to get complacent. And I'm like, well, that would have been nice to know, like, three years of therapy mm-hmm. ago. <laughs> like, <laughs> your voice in my head saying it should have been done three weeks prior. Like, <laughs> do, you, do you have a yeah. lot of stories like that, too, of just mentors that were in your life that, uh, you know, still kind of resonate with you? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I have a couple that I would say um, – and, you know, I don't think kind of like um, I don't think I have a story quite like yours because I don't think I was with one person that long. And a lot of times, um, sometimes when people think you're squared away, sometimes they just assume that you have a mentor or you don't need one. So a lot of times I was kind of just being really observant. Um, I did have some people that took some extra time out of their day or, or their weeks or their, you know, there's some extra time to, to show me some stuff. Um, but I would say that yeah. – I would agree with you. I think the ones that really stuck out more were the ones that were willing to tell me um, how it really was, right? They were very honest. Um, yeah. They're like, hey, this one, this isn't for you because of this. It might be something that you want. You might want this, but it's not going to help yeah. you. It's not going to help you grow, you know? And um, and, I, and I think those are the people that I really, uh, that I really remember. And, and the reason why, and I think it's similar probably to – your, that your mentor that you're describing is that they took the time to build that connection and understood me yeah. and uh-huh. I understood about them before they ever gave me any corrective feedback or, or growing critical feedback, right? Um, I think that that's the part that we're missing a lot of times is that people don't take the time to, to really show you that I care about you and that's why I'm going to approach it this way. Um, the intent is there. Uh, and I think it's because people are just – spending too much, uh, they're, they're speeding, you know, they have too much stuff going on. They're not really taking the time, but I would say that I've had yeah. a lot. Um, I think the person that really resonates with me the most is a person I consider a mother. Um, she, when I worked at the uh, social services center, she was a person that really taught me that whole generosity, kindness, empathy. And, and I would see things that she would do like, and, and I've always been a person that looks at example more. Like, she's the person that if you walk into her office, no matter how busy she is, she will stop what she's doing and face you, right, and, and, and listen mm-hmm. to you. She wouldn't still be typing on her computer while you're talking to her. She would stop. And I still suck at that. But I know that's, the, that's what right looks like, right? <laughs> that's what right looks like. Right, right. right? So, and, 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 you know, just being totally kind and giving without expecting anything in return, you know, and and those are – yeah. things that I saw from her through example and just kindness and humility. And I think that that was probably, uh, and her name is Jay. I'll give her a shout out right here. Jay, her over uh, Travis and the family readiness center. She is uh, one of my greatest mentors and a person I, I call mom because she taught me, yeah. you know, how to be a good human being. <laughs> that's, what, that's what really what it was. Yeah, no. And I, I've had people like that too um, that have done that and really taken the deliberate time to um, my favorite saying, it's kind of, it's kind of bad because it's kind of hypocritical. Um, But (laughs) the 
subordinates of mine, they're like, man, like, I really want to be like you someday. And I'm like, no, dude, don't be like me. Be better than me. Because, like, mm-hmm. I say some really off-the-wall stuff, man. Like, I have really, <laughs> like, burnt some bridges at times. And I'm like, don't don't be me. Just be better than me. And I think that's kind of what a lot of my supervisors are, um, yeah, my supervisors have uh, taught me is that, I was trying to emulate them and they were trying to just push me into like, Hey, do as I say, not as I do. And I'm like, well, that's hypocritical. Why don't you do it? Mm. And they're like, well, because mm-hmm. it doesn't work for me, but it's going to work for you. If you learn, like mm-hmm. I'm kind of stuck in my way. <laughs> yeah. 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 And those situations but, um, are like that. I think we have opportunities to try to judge those people. And I think that's the wrong thing to do. I think that the more you can walk through life, um, holding value judgments as much as possible, right? Realizing that you know yeah. people are going through their own thing, or they've been they've been um, conditioned a certain way that you haven't been, or you've been conditioned a certain way they haven't been. Their experiences are different than yours, and walking through life that way, just that that understanding that we're all different, and um, yeah, and then also walking through. I try to walk through the world feeling that I'm not entitled to anything. And when I walk through with those two things, yeah. and I'm not saying that we're not all entitled to some things. I think we're entitled to being treated with respect and dignity. And, you know, I mean, those, but when I walk through framing mm-hmm. my life as I have to earn everything and I'm not entitled to anything, no matter what my accomplishments were, and that we're all dealing with different stuff, you know, we're all on the spinning ball going through the, through the universe, you know, into the galaxy. Like, I think, yeah. I think it helps me keep myself, um, uh, leveled, humbled, and and walk through life with some authentic curiosity. You know, I think that's really important. Yeah, I I connect with that too, man. See, I'm so glad I brought you on the show. Like, we're just jiving. I love it because um, I grew up <laughs> feeling like I had to remind people of my importance, mm-hmm. and it, it came off as arrogance. But for me, the way that I was trying to portray it was, hey, like. I don't think you see my worth and I'm trying to vocalize mm-hmm. why you should see my worth. And then um, I've been pretty vocal about this on the show lately. I, I actually have a, a somewhat decent injury. Um, it's not life threatening or serious, but it, it made me go from a thousand miles per hour to about a hundred. Right. And in that it was both a blessing and a curse because as much as everyone is unique and as much as everyone is, is special in their own way and they have their own personality, in any project, group, corporation, whatever you're doing, at the end of the day, like, we're all kind of replaceable. <laughs> like, there's not, you know, you may have a specialized job and that's great, but we can always train somebody else to fill that role. And I know that's a terrible way of thinking of things. Made me. Uh, have a lot more humility of like, you know what? Yeah, I have done some great things, but guess what? Other people can come up behind me and do that too. Mm -hmm. So should I sit here and flaunt what I've done? Or should I remember that I just did what I was supposed to do at the time that I was supposed to do it. And somebody else can do that too. It's just, they didn't have the opportunity at that same time. How do you, how do you feel about that? Yeah, I, I agree. You know, I think that, what you kind of described, there's a lot of, um, there's harmony out there, right? And you can, you can live in a space where you feel confident about that you're, you have unique talent that you can bring to any organization or the world, right? And I think we're obligated to bring our, mm-hmm. 
our challenge to the world to try to make it a better place. But also balancing that with humility to say that you're not like, you're not irreplaceable in any organization. Somebody, even if they couldn't do it as well as you, doesn't mean that you're not replaceable. You know what I mean? They can, they can bring in somebody else and, and, and the organization's not going to just shut down because you're not there. You know, um, I remember uh, when I was, I was young working in this, my, uh, this corporate job, you know, it was called Wendy's. I was, I was that, I was awesome on the fries. I was awesome on the burgers. <laughs> I thought, you know, the young teenager it was my first job. I thought it was the best, right? I was hot. And yeah. I remember uh, uh, this, this elder, uh, more, more older um, uh, coworker, she was like, I see, I see you're very confident. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, I'm awesome in here. <laughs> and um, she poured a cup of water. <laughs> right. And she said, see this water right here? And I was like, yeah. She said, this is the job. And I'm like, okay. And then she put her finger in the water. She says, this is you in the job. I'm like, okay. And then she pulled her finger out and she said, this is after you leave. Does the water look any different? And I thought to myself, <laughs> man. <laughs> I was like, whoa. You know what I mean? And it was like my first real lesson in humility. And it's not to say that you can't make you, – you're obligated to try to make whatever environment you're in better. I believe that. You, you know, you're put on this planet mm-hmm. not to just participate in life. You're, you're here to try to make things better. But you should also know right. that you can get bigger. You don't believe in your own hype, right? Don't, don't yeah. believe in your own hype. Um, so, so I think that, what, um, you know, what you kind of described, I think that there's times where there's such a thin veneer between uh, confidence or arrogance, like overconfidence and arrogance, mm-hmm. and self-esteem mm-hmm. issues. And I think a lot of times we yeah, have oh, self-esteem yeah. issues and we project that arrogance to try to make ourselves feel better. Uh, I agree. I agree. Um, I definitely agree on that. And I know we've been talking leadership and all that, but I, I definitely, I'm going to, I'm going to pump the brakes a little bit. I want to talk about um, the llama leadership and kind of what you do for that and what makes that unique. Um, I know we said that you talk about all things life, learning, and leadership. So I guess off the chain is kind of a nice little home for you as well because that's kind of what we've done <laughs> during the show. But what does the llama leadership, what, what's the the viewer or the listener base, how, how far is your mm-hmm. reach, how does the show go? Can you give us a little bit of all that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I appreciate that. So llama leadership is actually just a team of us um, – Folks that you know, we work together. Um, so we've all been in the same profession, and we've been known each other for over a decade. Uh, and we really kind of got together through resiliency programs. We're all in different um, career fields, and what kind of unified us was the resiliency. And we saw something in each other that was similar. We we have different perspectives, but we have similar values in trying to um, help others reach their maximum potential while we're continuously improving. So. Um, we created this thing, mm-hmm. and honestly, it was funny. When we first started it, we joked around and called ourselves Hopeless to Dopeness Incorporated. You know, we're things like, hey, man, <laughs> we, we can help everybody get to that point where you maximize your potential, right? Um, right. So that, that was like kind of our original name. Well, um, one day we, when I was working at the social services center, um, we were having an event for special needs kids, and there was an autism event, and there was a random llama there. There was no petting zoo. There was just a llama there. And we looked over, 
And somebody said, why is there a llama here? And they credit me with saying, well, why wouldn't there be a llama here? You know, and next thing you know, that llama became our mascot because what we wanted to do is create this um, – <laughs> create this uh, this platform, but we didn't want to use our profession. You know, a lot of people in our profession that start yeah. these um, podcasts or whatever else, they have these cool, very elite uh, tactical names and stuff. And I was like, no, we don't, we don't, we don't want oh, something, yeah. something like that, right? <laughs> yeah. So, so we went with yeah. uh, Llama Leadership, and then, um, and really the two L's at the beginning of the word Llama were like life and learning. You know, that's what we're about. Um, eventually, we're like life learning leadership. Um, so we uh, eventually started a website and started blogging and asking people that we knew that to share their perspectives. And they'd write, you know, an op-ed on whatever topic. It might be a leadership topic. It might be resilience. It might be, you know, uh, just time management. It might be fitness, you know. And we think life is about all, all holistically about um, resilience and, and all of its capacities. So. We, we started that, yeah. and then um, eventually we started the podcast, and we called it the Llama Lounge, where we just bring people in to talk about those topics. They might be experts in leadership. We've had FBI behavioral analysts on. We've had um, just people of all walks um, to come and talk about what they do, and, um, and our, our whole thing mm-hmm. is it's got to be about life, learning, or leadership, which is pretty broad, right? So we just have conversations. Yeah, right. <laughs> our reach is between, yeah, probably about three to 4,000 um, listens an episode. Um, it seems like, you know, we're, 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 um, we're listened to across, I don't, I'm not sure how many countries now. I haven't looked at it in a while, but it's, um, it, it's a pretty substantial number since we have people all over the place, right? So um, listening and, um, yeah, yeah and, and, and we've been doing, we've, we've really enjoyed it. And you know what I love about it is that it helps me learn. But one thing that drives uh-huh. me, to keep this thing going is that I think about what young Joe Bogdan would have wished he would have listened to. Cause we talked about mentorship earlier. Not all of us yeah. are, uh, are blessed with leadership that want to invest in us. I mean, it's just the way it is. And maybe it's oh, yeah. no judgment, no value judgment. Sometimes they're just busy or they're not equipped. Right. Um, we're not all blessed yeah. with that. So what would a young Joe Bogdan wish he could listen to? What kind of conversations would he want to listen to? To, to become better at his profession, at resilience, at yeah. learning, right? Um, so, so that's the kind of topics right. and the conversations we have. And we've been doing it. We're, I think we're about to release episode 159. Um, our most recent episode oh, wow. I had with um, Jay France, amazing human being, and he actually hiked the entire Pacific Crest Trail. I know people do it, but I don't know anybody personally except for him. So we talked about what kind of life lessons he learned on that giant, hike that took about six months, you know, going all the way from Mexico to Canada yeah. on foot with a backpack. And um, <laughs> we're just oh, talking wow. about, you know, that self-reflection that you go through, transition moments and stuff like that. So we've had some great people on there, and that's that's really what um, Llama Leadership is all about, is trying to share um, great insights and uh, and try to help people grow. So that's what that's what the, the whole Llama Leadership and the Llama Lounge is about, and I love it. I, I love doing it. It's been just a great time. There's a lot of work that goes behind it, as you know, when you're doing something like this, but, um, but oh, it's yeah. super value added in my opinion. Yeah. And then um, let's talk about your up and coming book, if you feel comfortable. Um, and I only say that because uh, I know for me as, as an author, um, I cannot 
talk about my work in progress. Because if I do, um, <laughs> I get so excited about it, and then I just quit, right? Because I'm like, well, everybody already heard the idea. Mm-hmm. It's a great idea, right? But then I don't do the work. So if you're that type of writer, yeah. uh, let me know. But if you would like <laughs> to, would you share what your work in progress is? Yeah, so um, basically, you know, I've been a lifelong learner, and I, I believe in, um, and right now, I'm, I'm kind of in that development and training world, so um, I've been doing a lot of self-reflection and also developing courses to help people, you know, get a little bit better, and, and I developed a course a while back, and I think it was, it was maybe in 2020, 2021, and um, I was away on one of those long trips, you know, those six to eight month trips away. And um, and I was yeah. sitting there working with my team, and I thought to myself, you know what, I don't want to make this sound like it's about me, but I'm going to create a course called My Pathway to Success. And yeah. it really isn't about anybody else's pathway. It's my own, right? And it's, and And also, the word success is loaded, like what is success, right? And it's, it's not yeah. a, in any specific achievement, right? And really, um, the lesson I was kind of giving people a lot, it was a lot of resiliency-based stuff, but also other things that you can do at the tactical level. You just go execute that. And it went from basic uh, to self-mastery, like how do you perceive things? How, what are some perspectives that, I, that I've taken on that have made me better um, when I look at things in a certain way, like some of the stuff I shared with you already, like the whole I'm not entitled to anything type of um, uh, mentality. Yeah. And then – diving into, you know, core values and how I've developed mine and, you know, give them some tips and um, talk about ethical framework. Yeah. And then it moves into um, more of a plan and develop. How do you get to where you want to go? And then it gets into discipline execution, like do these things. Um, these are what things I've done, right? And But the whole thing about that class mm-hmm. was I don't want you to walk away thinking you got answers. I want you to walk away from this class with more questions for yourself than you have answers. And, yeah. um, and, and I thought to myself, why don't I write my book on this? You know, uh, and, and so it's grown and grown, um, but I'm, I'm working on it. Um, I, I'll be 100% transparent. I had a goal of writing one chapter a month starting at the uh, beginning of 2022, and I planned on having the book completed by the end of 23. And with, um, mm-hmm. with life, get, you know, kind of just uh, peer in its head, um, things happening, moves and all that stuff that it really kind of took a back mm-hmm. seat. And um, I recently got inspired yeah. to jump back into it. And a lot of it was my own negative self-talk. You know, I think we all kind of have those moments. Um, so I decided to just execute. You know, just execute and refine and take a wire brush to it later if I need to, but just get to writing. And um, it's really yeah. um, been taken off lately. So uh, it, that's, that's really what the book is about. It's about giving people some perspectives, but really the, the whole point is giving people some things to think about or questions they should ask themselves as they move forward um, to hopefully get to. And then one of the questions would be like, hey, what success to you? You know, what does success look like to you? You know, sounds like a simple question, yeah. but it's going to take some deep thought <laughs> to get to the answer to most people, right? So, um, so well, uh, then what, what, does really success, what, what does success look like to you, though? So success to me, you know, and this is um, what I'm going to share in the book, uh, is that I thought it was reaching a certain um, position, uh, mm-hmm. the white picket fence scenario that a lot of us yeah. have, you know, um, and yeah. really it has to be to me something – 
beyond that. It has to be something rooted in your beliefs of whatever your beliefs are, right? Um, and to me, it, it really um, lines up with making making the best uh, of this world, helping people as much possible, right? Uh, and, and helping as many people meet their maximum potential and and what that what i've discovered that you know through this meaning and purpose um uh that i'm able to live it as as a teacher i think that in life you know and really like as a adjunct professor but also i think even in my profession in um development as a teacher so really when it comes down to it success to me is when i'm 89 years old if people tell me that i made them better i think that's success mm-hmm. You know, and everything I try to do lines up to that. You know, and that includes my wife. Yeah. You know, I think my job is to help cultivate my wife. Um, and, and she often cultivates me as well. She she teaches me a lot of things, right? She inspires me. But when I'm 80, 90 years old, I don't want my wife to just say, you are a pretty good husband. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, yeah. I want her to say a lot more than that and how much I meant to her and how much I've made her life better. So, to me, that's what success looks like, you know, and I have to, I have to work to get to that, you know, I have to work to get to that. But in in between now and then I have to cultivate a feeling of contentment. Not, not, it doesn't have to be super happy all the time, but some contentment, you know, being grateful for what you have, but still driving towards whatever that, that success looks like to you. Yeah. You know, and I kind of uh, ran into that issue myself. Um, I keep joking and I wish, Yvonne was on the show because Yvonne kind of keeps me in check. Um, I keep saying that I'm one year from death because I'm going to turn 30 next year. And then Yvonne (laughs) laughs at me and says, like, 30 is when life was really beginning for me, Ian. And I'm like, no, 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 Mm -hmm. I'm one year from death. Like, um, (laughs) and I had to, it was, it was a total joke, but I actually had to take a step back and reflect why I always went to that joke. Right. And it wasn't because I truly thought that 30 was death to me. Um, what 30 means to me is I'm in a weird position in my life where most of my memories of my parents, my um, mom and dad had me when they were very young. Um, they're always 20 years older than I am. And so me being 30 if I turned the clock backwards, I was about 10 years old. So all the memories of, you know, my parents, the trips, all of that, right? Now bring in this little little girl that I have, Winifred, and she's going to be seven mm-hmm. soon. So she's not 10, mm-hmm. but it's like, oh, now I'm feeling like it is in the way one year from death in some ways to me because it's like I am now feeling – what I imagined at her age, except now I'm living it. And Mm. furthermore, um, I don't know if you've ever experienced this. And again, it it sounds so cocky, but I mean it from a place of humility. I have been extremely successful in what I've done. I have wrote books. Mm -hmm. I have done radio shows. I have been a firefighter. I have done amazing projects in our profession. I've done all this stuff, right? I almost ran out of more levels to grasp. I I ran out of like what I was hungry for because I'm like, man, I've already done so much. Like 
what, what's next? Should I just cure cancer? Just should I just should we just go for it? Like what, mm-hmm. what's next? You know. And so I've I've had to um, deal with that a lot lately in my in my personal life of like I need to find something that's quote unquote next, right? Because in our profession we're driven to next step, next step, next step. Check the box, check the box, check the box, right? But mm-hmm. every time I do something here in my current location that people think is amazing and they're like, man, how did you do that? Like, oh, they just, oh, wow, you really did all that and yada, yada. I just look at them. I'm like, man, that back in the old, you know, back in the old days, right? Back, back a couple of years ago, that was just called a Thursday for me, dude. Like I'm mm-hmm. used to doing stuff like this. And so I, I think that's kind of where I'm at in my life and career is that I'm like the things that are like mind-blowing achievements for other people, to me, I'm just like, you know, this is just another day that ends in day, dude. Like we've been doing this for a while. I'm actually needing something else to eat because <laughs> I'm getting hungry mm-hmm. for something. Have you ever felt that or experienced that? Yeah, I think so. In our profession, um, you know, I, I rose pretty fast to – um, my current position, and I think that um, you know, there's a point where you sit there and you do wonder what's next, or if there has to be something that's next. And um, and I, I even, you know, to your point about the um, when people ask you like, oh, you did this, oh wow, that's amazing. Um, me and my buddy Jose Ramon, we talked about it even when we were um, younger. We we're like, how come people keep on giving us compliments for stuff that we feel like is actually just doing our job, like? just the basic thing of what we're supposed to do. <laughs> I, and a lot of that has to do with the hashtag, I just went to, hashtag, I just went to, to work and actually gave a shit. <laughs> right, right, exactly. And, <laughs> and there's so many people that don't do even that. So then it's like, you know, but right. that helps me stay humble too. It's like, I'm not doing anything special. I'm just doing like a lot of times what you're supposed to do. And like, because a lot of people aren't doing it. You know, I felt that. But I think yeah. that uh, what, what um, Yvonne was saying about 30 you know, I wouldn't have believed it when I was 20, but I think that after 30, I started really seeing the world in different ways and um, and really doing more of that self-work. As much as I thought I was doing it before 30, I think that at 30, um, you know, after 30, I started really looking at things and taking time to really reflect and appreciate things and realizing that, you know, you have to stay inspired. You have to find ways to stay inspired. It doesn't have to be in your profession. It could be outside, but if you're not inspired, you're going to have run into issues and stay creative and try things that you don't, you never tried before. So I think um, I'm matured in a lot of ways, but also probably in, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm 41 now. I just turned 41. I would say the last three or four years, I probably had the most growth. Um, that's in everything from my personal health, really realizing. I think that I got to a point where uh, I, I am facing my own mortality. I mean, most people say you're still young, but I realize that this doesn't last forever, so how do I um, make sure that I maximize my time? Um, how much do I uh, yeah. make sure I invest in my fitness and nutrition to make sure that's good to go? Um, physical fitness, I probably was the best shape I ever was at 40. You know, I had my best uh, mile and a half run um, in, in the nines, you know, for the first time, <laughs> you know, at the age of 40, mm-hmm. you know, 39, 40. So I uh, ran my first marathon at the age of probably 40, I think, you know, so, so just trying to like look for new ways to stretch and be, um, and to continuously grow. I think that, um, I've just 
you get a different look at things, right? You just look at things a little bit differently, I think, as you as you continue to grow and mature. And you never believe it until you hit that next step. And you're like, hey, it looks a little bit different from here. So there's a lot more that you, you yeah. have to not only experience but to contribute in. And, and it's like stuff that will shock you. <laughs> you know, in a couple of years, you're yeah. like, dang, right. look at like this, you know? <laughs> but, you know, also right. I think that um, we'll, we'll... at that age, when you're going to that year, age of 30, I think that – you're in this major transitional stage, and I think those are the things that where we can learn the most from. Uh, we just have to slow down in those transitions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. Well, believe it or not, Joe, um, I, I I didn't warn you. I always warn our guests before uh, the show, but we are actually at our 10-minute mark for the show, so okay. we only have 10 minutes left. Yeah, <laughs> I know it goes it yeah, goes fast. That went fast. Yep, sure did. <laughs> so what we what we always do on the show is uh, we always ask if um, you have a new development with your book, or you have a new adventure with your podcast, would you be willing to come back on Off the Chain and uh, showcase it with us? Absolutely, man. I love this type of conversation. Um, it's similar to what we like to do on the Llama Lounge. It's just a conversation. So um, you're an amazing host and a great conversationalist. So I'd love to come back on and talk to you some more and. We can talk about any topics, you know, moving forward, whether it's the book, the podcast, or whatever whatever else we feel like talking about that day. I'm here for you. Heck yeah. We'll we'll have to do a, a show exchange too, not not trying to step on your toes, but if you <laughs> find a gap in, actually, your, I was, in your shows I was and you want somebody. That, actually. Yeah. Heck yeah. yeah. I'll absolutely. I'll go on your show in a heartbeat, dude. This this was yeah. real genuine and fluid and I think that's the beauty of the show too, is that people know when a, an interview is fluid and genuine, like when you have two people who are just mm-hmm. really vibing and our listeners just tune in that so hard and you see it um, in their reactions. But the other thing that we do before we always end the show is um, are there any quick one minute words of wisdom? I know we've covered a whole lot of words of wisdom tonight, but is there something that you just kind of live by that you want to um, bestow upon our listeners tonight? Man, and oh, this one's a tough one. Let's see if I only got this one. What do, what do I share? <laughs> so, um, right, <laughs> you know, really, when it comes down to it, I think that um, it's really, really important that we take the time to do the deep work within ourselves. You know, and I think that's yeah. something that we often don't do because we're afraid. You know, we don't want to dig deep and, and yeah. do that work, and sometimes that requires us to do what like my buddy Jay France uh, did and went on a Pacific Crest Trail hike. But most of us probably don't have the time nor, the, nor are we conditioned to be able to do that type of thing or we have the, uh, you know, the situation, life situation is not going to allow us to do that. But we have to figure out time to do that work and not be afraid to fill that time uh, with, with just your own thoughts, right? Because a lot of times we're going a long cardio run. What do you do? You put your headphones on, listen to something so you can avoid thinking to yourself. Um, and I really learned that during my um, my my time when I was spent, did a lot of quarantine um, due to the pandemic in 2020 to 21, and and I sat there really reflecting, and I realized that man, I was looking at a lot of things wrong. Um, I wasn't really looking at yeah. the world through adult eyes yet, you know. And and um, until you really take that time, it is like you're always chasing something. You know, like we kind of talked about, yeah. like you're always chasing something and putting happiness on the other side of whatever the thing you're chasing is. And um, I think that it, it's just, it's really important. What are your core values? 
you know, what do you find really important? Yeah. Not just what you say is important, but what, what are your actions showing? You know, you say your family is really the most important, but are you showing them that? Are you actually acting consistent right. with that? Um, yeah, th- these are all things that I think are really important for us to take that deep, deep uh, look into ourselves. And I think that that is a huge investment that all of us need to make. So uh, that, that would be my words of wisdom is, hey, look into yourself. What are you avoiding? You know, what, what are you doing? Yeah. What do you really love? You know, how are you spending your time? Um, have, you, have you forgiven the people that you should forgive, you know, or you're harboring something? Have you thanked the people that mm-hmm. you should thank? You know, uh, and, and there's a lot of things that you could just write down in a journal while you're doing that. But, um, yeah, I would just say do that, do that deep work. And um, if you ever need help um, figuring some of that out, um, reach out to me and some of those methods that um, you listed yeah. at the beginning, and, and I'd be happy to, to help you um, develop some of the best questions you can ask yourself. Heck, yeah, and we can find you at um, llamaleadership at gmail.com or llamaleadership.com. And uh, this has been an hour with Joe Bogdan. Uh, he's the co-founder of the Llama Leadership website and uh, has a wide breadth of experience in leadership, uh, management, and resilience. So I really appreciate you coming on the show, man. Uh, this is an awesome conversation. I definitely want to keep the conversation going. So thank you so much. And then uh, for our listeners, again, I say it every night, thank you so much for listening in. Uh, the show would not be possible without you tuning in, listening to Yvonne and I, giving an hour of your time. Um, you are all truly important. I really hope you enjoyed this conversation and took uh, took something from it, right? Because we don't just go on the air to fill space and, and spend an hour talking, right? We want you all to take some of, some of this and, and apply it to your life or just even feel like um, – somebody's in the room with you, right? If you're feeling lonely, if you're feeling sad, you got two people right here who just talked to an hour with you and, you know, we're here for you. So um, join us next Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern. I have a very, 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 very special guest that's near and dear to our heart. Um, and I'm going to leave it at that because I <laughs> want everyone to tune in and give our special guest a uh, welcome home. So I'll leave it at that. (laughs) But, again, thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in. Thank you again, Joe. And uh, until 8 p.m. Eastern time next Monday, Halloween, 31 October, uh, join us on Off the Chain. And I have been your co-host slash host, Ian Bush, filling in for Yvonne Mason. And remember, until we talk again, please, please be safe, be happy, And just remember that we love you if nobody else has said it to you. So just keep doing great things, keep creating great things, and we will see all of you again on Monday, uh, next Monday, Halloween, 8 p.m. Eastern time and off the chain. So thank you, everybody. Have a great night. Hope you enjoyed.